Hello, good morning. Good morning, okay. I'm going, uh, it's going to be a bit different this morning, and uh, looking at the time, I'll just give you a little bit of warning. I'm going to be talking for about 10 minutes, then we're going to have a 15-minute video, and then I'll be back for about another seven or eight minutes. So if you do have to disappear, feel free to disappear. Um, of course, it's all going to be based around the scripture that uh, John just read to us. Thank you, John. Um, and I do want to give a special mention to those who are watching online this morning, because we're going to be watching the video here, uh, there will be some instructions online for those who are watching online about how to access the video. If you have a problem, don't worry. Make yourself a cup of tea, read the scripture again, think about what Jesus might have been saying. There'll be a countdown timer for about 15 minutes and then we'll be back on again. You can always catch up later. There is a link on our YouTube channel, but you know, it's too confusing sometimes. Don't worry about it. And what I say afterwards will still be relevant. You don't have to watch the video. So, it was that first Easter Sunday. If you like, it was last week. We've moved on a week, but uh, the scripture we read hasn't moved on a week. And just a week before that, Jesus had ridden into Jerusalem on a donkey. The crowds were singing his praise. He was treated like a king coming in victory. But then things changed. They changed quickly. The authorities increasingly turned against him. The religious leaders went against him. And it didn't help the fact, of course, that he'd been into the temple and overturned all of the tables and criticised them. It was all building up to a problem. There were thousands in Jerusalem because they'd come, obviously, from the towns and villages to share the Passover. Jesus upset it all. Through the week, he continued to teach those who'd listen. But the religious leaders and the crowds, of course, turned against him. It seemed as though the hopes of the nation looking for their Messiah had come to nothing. All that was promised seemed to have evaporated. Jesus' mission, his ministry, could have continued so much longer, couldn't it? Perhaps if he'd toned it down a bit, perhaps he could have overthrown the tyranny of the Roman occupation. The Passover celebrations, they were over. Everyone returns home, back to their businesses back to their family, back to the way of life that they already knew. His followers were despondent. Their hopes had been raised. They thought things were going to change. It all looked pretty promising, but now what? We don't know much about these two disciples on their way home to Emmaus. We only know the name of one of them, Cleopas, so clearly they weren't one of the twelve or two of the twelve. I wonder how long they'd been following Jesus. Were they there when Jesus gave his sermon on the mount? Did they see some of the miracles that Jesus performed? Were they amongst the large crowds who gathered to hear Jesus speak? Perhaps they were there the previous week, Palm Sunday. Perhaps they'd heard Pilate address the crowd. Perhaps they'd even been swayed to call for Barabbas. They might have been on the streets when Jesus was carrying his cross. But it was a confusing time. And these two disciples, they didn't really know what to think or what to do next. I mean, elsewhere in the Gospels, we're told about Peter and he went back to fishing. He went back to what he knew. Peter, one of the 12 who were close to Jesus, didn't seem to know what to do. 
And of course, early in Jesus' ministry, many disciples had turned back, but Peter had remained. To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. But it didn't look that good. The Jewish people, of course, had been looking for a political and military messiah to overthrow the Romans. They were looking for what we might say was might. They missed the meekness. They hadn't realised that Jesus was going to free them from the oppression of sin and bring the freedom of life. Their spiritual sight was blurred and they needed to have their eyes opened. So was it the travellers' despondency that kept them from seeing Jesus or was Satan keeping them from seeing him? Whatever it was, they had to have their eyes open to the truth. And it says in verse 15, as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself came up and walked with them. That's so important, that verse. Jesus took the initiative. He came to disciples. He came to walk alongside them. Their heads were down. Their hopes had gone. They didn't realise that it was him because they were so downcast and full of their own troubles and thoughts. Jesus took the initiative. He came alongside. He encouraged them to talk about their concerns. He didn't chastise them for being slow to believe. He met them where they were. They needed lifting and encouragement, not judgment. And so Jesus has promised to be with us in every situation, to walk with us. Not to leave us, to stand on our own. Whatever we face, he's with us. He will draw alongside and walk with us. Katie just reminded us, asked us to think about how we first came to know Jesus, how you came to give your life to him. Wasn't it Jesus who called? It may have taken some time, it may have been a number of people or circumstances along the way, but he kept calling and he didn't walk away the moment we gave your life to him. He didn't put a tick against the name, got one, and then walk away. He committed to walk with us every day. Things come into our lives that are not easy to deal with. They're disappointments, they're challenges, and we don't always understand them. Or perhaps they don't fit with how we think our lives should be. Quickly we can become disappointed and our vision becomes blurred. It's easy for us, isn't it, to fall into the trap of being so certain that God's going to do one thing that completely overlook the possibility of something different, better, or a new thing. We do have setbacks in life. We're in a fallen world, yet God can and does use them to teach us things that prepare us for the future glory. The message of the cross, a big disappointment at one level, total defeat, it looked like for those disciples. But it was a gateway to great hope and victory. In the words of Martin Luther King, we must accept finite disappointment, but we must never lose infinite hope. So the disciples have been disappointed about how things turned out, how Jesus' life had ended so abruptly. And as they carry on walking, they go on to share their doubts, even about the resurrection. Although there had been reports earlier that day of an empty tomb and angels descending and declaring that Jesus was really alive, they still had doubts. 
they didn't seem to be spiritually or intellectually ready or prepared for the possibility that the one who was crucified, who said he would rise again, actually did. As Jesus walked with them, he began to explain what was said in the scriptures about himself, how God had worked out his plan from before time, right through to the cross and to his resurrection. So this video clip is an interpretation of what Jesus might have said as he walked with the two disciples. You might not agree with every bit of it, and there weren't any Americans in Jerusalem at the time, I know. <laughs> I hadn't had the gift of tongues at that time. But uh, we're going to be joining them just, as Jesus, just after Jesus joined them. The video's called Road to Emmaus. I'm showing about half the video, but I'd encourage you to watch the full version. It's widely available. And uh, just to make sure we do have the permission of the copyright owner of Vision Videos who pass on their blessings to us as well as we watch it. Now, for those watching online, you should have information come up to access the video, but as I said, don't worry if you can't watch it. We'll be back in 15 minutes, and uh, what I say isn't reliant on the video. So thank you to and others. Right, well, welcome back. <laughs> To, to you here and to, hopefully to our online viewers. Hopefully we're all back together again. So, as Jesus walked with the disciples, he explained how God had gradually revealed his plan from the patriarchs right the way through to the prophets, how it was all woven together in the Old Testament, how he'd worked through the faithful and the not-so-faithful. God had had everything planned from before time. Throughout history, nothing was going to stop him from delivering his purposes in Jesus. And although history, of course, is in the past, his story continues. He explained history on the Emmaus Road, but as he walked with the disciples and as he walks with us, he continues his story. And so these two Disciples, as they walked, they had their sight corrected by Jesus. They didn't need specsavers. It was a different sight. They came to understand God's plan as Jesus walked alongside them. He explained everything using the scriptures. They only had the Old Testament, but we also had the New. We have the fullest picture, not only of God's plan, but also of his action. From the cross and the resurrection, through the growth of the early church, Instruction on what it means to live as free people. Correction where there's misunderstanding. And of course in Revelation, a picture of the new heaven and the new earth. We have more translations of the Bible today than ever before. And books that you know, we can study scripture. And it's through the word of God and the guidance of the Holy Spirit that we grow and we understand. Now a very short ad break now. I told you it's going to be different this morning. I know it's quite a long way off yet, but 15th of October, we're holding a walk through the Bible event which will walk us through the Old Testament and help us better understand how it all fits together. A bit like Jesus walking down the road to Emmaus, but it's going to take us a bit longer uh, than it took him. So that look out for the logo in the future, there will be more information coming up soon, and then hopefully next year we're going to do one through the New Testament as well. Thanks, Martin. Jesus called the two disciples foolish, or in some translations, 
slow to learn, which might sound a little bit kinder. They, they struggled to separate the military and the political values of the world from the values of the kingdom of God. And today, I think we face similar decisions. Will we step outside of the values of our culture and put our faith in Jesus? Most of us here today will say that we have. But it's not just a one-off decision, is it? Every day we have to make conscious decisions to walk in faith. I stopped the video just as Jesus was about to go into the house with them. Jesus had walked with them for a time. It said seven miles in the Bible, about two hours or so from Jerusalem. And he was about to continue his journey. Now, it wasn't until they showed him hospitality, urging him to come in with them, that he revealed himself to them through the breaking of the bread. Imagine if they hadn't invited him in. But they did. They opened the door and Jesus came in. I probably don't need to introduce Duncan Bannertine to you. Might be an unusual character to talk about on a Sunday morning. Very successful entrepreneur. He owns a lot of different businesses. He tells in his autobiography about how he built up his businesses. But then he suddenly changes tack and he retells the story of a visit to an orphanage run by Christians in Romania. He was grieved by their poverty, but moved by the significance of their work. And he wrote, For me, the tears came at about 10 o'clock that night. I went outside and found a quiet place at the side of the house. I couldn't stop the tears. My face was wet. My nose began to run. I was a mess. I had no choice but to let the tears flow, and they just kept pouring out of me and wouldn't stop. After many minutes, I began to get the feeling I wasn't alone. It was there that God said, hello. I felt I'd been consumed by this presence, that something had completely shrouded and taken hold of me. It was unmistakable. I knew who had come, and I also knew why. It wasn't a spiritual thing, it was a Christian thing. And I felt I was being told, you've arrived, join the faith, be a Christian, this is it. It was profound, I stood there, stunned, considering and thinking about the offer and what it would mean. I knew I wanted to keep on making money. I also knew I wanted to carry on doing the things I wasn't proud of. I knew I was never going to be this totally Christian guy going to church on Sundays. So I said, no, not ready. God said, okay. So here he was, knocking at the door, but he didn't open it. At the beginning of our journey of faith, that's what Jesus does, doesn't he? He knocks on the door. He doesn't come in, he waits to be invited in. And then throughout life, like these two disciples, there are times when Jesus waits to be invited, to be more involved in our lives, to work deeper in our lives. And we need to take that act to actually invite him in. It's not just a one-off decision. So when they went into the house with Jesus, they ate together. How different that was to the first meal recorded in the Bible. Adam and Eve with the fruit. 
They ate, their eyes were opened, they realised their nakedness, sin, guilt, shame, death came in and there was separation from God. But here, on the first Easter day, on the first day of the week, symbolising the new creation, the resurrected Jesus took the bread, gave thanks, broke it and gave it to them. Their eyes were opened, not to shame, but to the glory of the risen Jesus. The curse had been reversed. The price of sin had been paid. Death had been defeated. Jesus is alive. And of course, they had to run off and tell the others. Jesus often ate with his disciples. He loves to be in the midst of his people, to be a part of the fellowship of believers. When we share communion together, Jesus is with us. Sometimes we're encouraged to look at the cross to remind us of the sacrifice that God in Jesus made. And as we look at that empty cross, we know that Jesus has conquered death, that he has risen. It's good to look back, but this morning let's also look alongside, because we are a part of his story. Jesus walked with those disciples as they went back to Emmaus, and he walked with us. He'd be alongside us after a difficult day when everything seems to go wrong. As we return from the doctor having received disturbing news, perhaps after an exam when we feel we haven't done our best, or when we've been told that we've lost our job, when we've received news of the loss of a loved one, or perhaps a great time at a Christian conference and we're asking, now what? And also, when we're celebrating the birth of a child or a grandchild, enjoying the beauty of the spring flowers, Falling in love and asking, is this the one? Or celebrating the marriage of loved ones. Jesus is alongside. The cross is empty. The tomb is empty. Jesus has risen. He walked with those two disciples in their time of confusion. And he walked with us, whatever our need. Or simply, just to be with us. I pray that as we walk through life, we're recognising talk with him and listen to him. As I finish, just one word, or should I say one name, Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah prophesied 700 years before Jesus was born. God had a plan, and in Jesus that plan is fulfilled. Emmanuel, God with us. Let's pray. Father, wherever we stand this morning, whatever you might uh, challenge us with this morning, Lord, help us to respond. Help us not to, to say, no, I'm not ready. But help us to open the door and help us, Lord, to walk with you. In Jesus' name. Amen.